Join the Hamden County Sheriff's Office medical team. We offer professional medical and mental health care during and after incarceration, following a revered public health model. We're hiring for nursing and supervisory roles, offering a less hectic case than hospitals, a state pension, benefits, and potential retirement after 20 years. Our firm but fair approach to corrections has been emulated nationwide. We're not your average law enforcement agency. Visit our website to learn more. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Melody Beattie, the language of letting go. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share stories and narratives of people and programs both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall, the stigmas that surround those who have been impacted by the justice system, and the inspiring stories that prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. If you joined us last week, we had a very in-depth conversation with Brian Banks, an exonerated individual who was unjustly imprisoned as a teenager. And the conversation required us to actually create a part two, which you're going to hear today. So here's the second half of our conversation with Brian Banks. Brian, once again, thank you, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. All right, so we left off with you've now finally been released from jail. You're on parole. You had to serve a a four-year parole sentence, correct? Yeah, Uh, actually it was a five-year sentence total. And were you confined to, was it a home parole? Were you on a bracelet? What, What was your parameters? Yeah, so I was in the state of California, what they classify you as as a 290 registrant, which is a sex offender. Um, and that's whatever sex offense, it could be one of the smallest ones or one of the most grave. They put you all in the same pot. You're all classified as the same. You get, I got a mandatory sentence of five years of strict custody parole, which required me to wear a GPS tracking device on my ankle for the, the entire five years. It could not be removed. Um, I couldn't live within 2,000 feet of any school or park, which in the city of Long Beach is almost impossible to find a place like that. Parks and schools are everywhere. Um, I had to register everywhere I lived. I couldn't leave my county under any circumstance, especially without approval. I had a curfew every night where I had to be in the house. And I had to plug that thing into the wall twice a day, in the morning for up to two hours, and at night before bed for a couple hours until a little red light on it turned green. Um, that was my, if I, you know, if I didn't charge it and it ran out, I could go back to jail. If I was out of county or doing any of the things that I said that I shouldn't be doing, I could go back to jail. And I had a parole officer who really just wanted to send me back to jail for no reason. That was my life for an additional five years. I, not only that, I, I couldn't find any work. No one ever wanted to hire me. I lost the opportunity to go to college, so I didn't have the education, the paperwork. And not only that, if you did want to hire me, I was a current 
parolee on parole with a parole officer who will want to come and periodically visit my job site. I'm a registered sex offender, and I don't have a college degree. I don't even know how you're still saying at this point all these years later, but I mentioned this before the break. How did you redirect your energy to stay positive through not just your prison time, but coming home and still basically being in being a captive? You know, uh, it, it really is no method to the madness and how you control the madness that is around you and within you. I've tried every way that I think that a human being could try to navigate through such an inhumane and unexpected situation, prison and wrongful conviction and the labels and accusations of the worst thing that you could be labeled in, in, in you know, our society uh, and trying to find a way to navigate it through through it all. But I, I think that, you know, a few things that really got me through it was starting to, and this may not make sense to some because it's a place to achieve in, in your mind, but allowing yourself to let go of things that you cannot control. Having the awareness that regardless of the experience, that we apply emotions to the experience. No experience comes with emotion. We choose how we want to feel about those experiences. And we can allow ourselves to go crazy, or we can find ways to navigate through the unwanted, the inhumane experience to the best of your ability and try and control your emotions while dealing with the things that you're dealing with. And it's hard. It's extremely hard when your worst day of life is occurring every single day for 10 years. You know, some of us go through one moment, one experience, and that experience could have lasted minutes, seconds, and it's something that you will never, ever forget. It's something that has changed your life forever. Imagine experiencing it every single day, 24 hours, no day off for years and years and years. And for some of us, that have been wrongfully convicted 20, 30, 47 years. It's just, how do you stay sane? One day at a time, staying faithful to your beliefs, knowing that this one moment in time should not dictate the duration of your life, knowing that you got to stand on your truth, and that truth is what keeps your, your fire lit and embracing resilience. No matter how difficult your situation may seem, there's always a path forward. It's about finding that path and walking in that with determination. You know, I can keep going, you know, but I, I think that, you know, it's such a good question because a lot of people, I get emails, I get messages on social media. I get messages from friends and family through text messages of other people asking for help that are going through a similar situation right now or asking how as a parent, how to, how should I help my child who's losing hope and faith while in prison right now for something that they didn't do. And they need answers. They need advice. They need someone that's been there to tell them how to stay positive and control those emotions and to continue to seek justice and truth. I read a quote that you said, and I don't know when you said it, but I thought it was very powerful. You said, if I can be some kind of vessel to show people that no matter the hard time you experienced, you can still succeed, 
I want to put out that positive energy to never quit and never give up. Mm-hmm. It's a very yeah. powerful quote. Very. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you laughed because I needed a little levity. I'm suctioning in all of your story and I'm like, you know, I, I don't even know how, like you said, you did it one day at a time. I laugh because it, <laughs> just hearing you say it, it just resonated with me, even though it was words that I said, it kind of helped me right now. You know, it, it just felt good to hear um, a message like that. You know, my journey from wrongful conviction to freedom has taught me that resilience and perseverance is key. No matter the challenge, just keep pushing forward. So before we get into talking for just a few minutes, because we are going to run out of time eventually, um, although I don't want to. So you had to carve a new path. And I, I heard you on another podcast, and I heard Mike Simanchik from the California Innocence Project, who I know you worked with back when you were working to become exonerated. I didn't know this statistic until this morning, but there have been 3,300 wrongful convictions since 1989. That number to me is just abhorrent. I just can't even put my head around that many people. I mean, we read random stories. We know your story. You became the subject of a movie and a book. But 3,300 people, Brian, that just, what is wrong with our system? Those are the ones that we know of. Those are the ones. And and here's the thing. We have statistical data on so much out here in the world, just about everything. And it starts to get a little funny when when you're looking for statistical data on the wrongfully convicted. The only information that's being gathered is information from those that are fighting to end the wrongful conviction. There's no institution, government institution, that is doing the necessary work to investigate why wrongful convictions are happening, how to eliminate the, 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 the action or the, the doing so itself. It doesn't exist. There's no fund. There's no bill. There's nothing. It, it, it goes, the work is coming from programs such as the Innocence Project, the California Innocence Project, um, the National Registry of Exoneration, the work that's being put in by those individuals, those groups that have been able to uncover such a horrid truth. But those are the numbers that we only know of. You know, I would say double that. I'd say triple it. Because there's a lot of people that are being forced into deals, being feared into deals and exhausted into deals. I often share the the analogy or or the the idea of when you're watching Law and Order at 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep, you know, and you hear that, and, you know, they're, they're going to trial, they're in court, and they're, Every, every case that they lay out is always a case that goes to trial. And that's a misconception of court. You know, only 3 to 5% of cases actually will see trial. That means that 95 to 97% of people are being forced into plea bargains. Whether you did it or you didn't do it. You want to go to jail for a long time or you want to just get some probation. You want to go to jail for a long time or you just want to take the, the time served that you already served. You want to do jail for a long time, or you can just do maybe six months in county real quick, and we kick you out in three. You know, all of that stuff sounds more appealing than going to trial and waiting 10 months or 12 months to figure out if I'm even going to be found guilty or not. There's ways of fluffing up the high conviction rates that our court systems boast so much about. Oh, come here. We have a high conviction rate. We don't tolerate crime here in this community. Does that conviction rate really reflect the crime in the community, 
or the, the, the teeth that are sunken in to people that sit in the chairs, the defendant's chairs, when our system is just looking for convictions, convictions, convictions versus truth. So let's take the, the, the proof side, and we're going to run out of time, and I have a couple more questions for you. So as short as you can, that makes sense. How did you find Justin Brooks and Mike Simanchik and the California Innocence Project? Mm, a good question. They're legends in, in, <laughs> in prison. They are the, uh, the people that uh, folks that are incarcerated whisper about and talk about, you know, trying to get in contact with the California Innocence Project or trying to get in contact with an innocence project, period, uh, to take on your case because they have proven over years that wrongful convictions do occur and they have the capacity to go and fight these cases and try these wrongfully convicted cases and, and overturn these cases and bring folks home. They've chosen the noble work of helping those who can't help themselves and speaking for the voiceless. And so, you know, it's I found them... From word of mouth, I began reaching out to them years before I even got out of prison. And I started you know, reaching out to them again once I had the necessary proof to, to show that uh, I was innocent. Um, so it was just a matter of contacting them and reaching out to them and trying again and trying again and trying again because they have such a high volume of submissions that they receive, over two, 3,000 submissions a year. And they only can take on just a few cases a year and that's due to the funding. It's a nonprofit organization funded by our community and very small grants and funding that come from our government, very small ones. So the rest is from people who, like myself and you who believe that wrongful convictions shouldn't be happening, people shouldn't be behind bars for things that they didn't do. We give our small dollars to try to help people when that shouldn't be the case. You know, we should have a huge internal case review board that holds our, our district attorneys accountable for pushing cases where there was no case. But that's another story within itself. I think I've said that a thousand times. We've got a lot of stories. <laughs> well, it's always good to know there's more stories to talk about because uh, I actually had somebody once say to me, aren't you going to run out of subject matter for your show? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> the unfortunate part about our judicial system, there will never be the last story. No, and and the Innocence Projects, and I'm going to have, actually, I booked Justin on the show in a few weeks. I'm excited to chat with him. I know he's doing some new things these days. But if anybody's interested, there are different Innocence Projects across the country, states. There's one in New England. They're, they're all over. And it, I think from what I've read, the California Innocence Project was the first one that sort of jump-started those Innocence Projects. And I guess they're even international as well. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. So listeners, go grab another cup of coffee. We'll be right back. You're listening to this week's The Hustler Files. Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work in active organic garden. Best of all, they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. 
Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm Lisa Riley, and if you're just joining us, we're here with Brian Banks, a nationally recognized advocate for systemic and prison reform, author, motivational speaker, and himself an exonerated individual who was wrongfully convicted at the age of 16. Brian, thank you again for spending time with us today. Absolutely. How long did it take Mike and Justin and their team to get you exonerated from when you first got a meeting and convinced them you were worthy of their time? Most people that are fighting wrongful convictions will be fighting that case for years, unfortunately, because our court system would rather uphold the conviction um, versus admit that they were overzealous or flawed in their work. I know. And and that's why prison reform work is so important, the work that the Innocence Project does, the work that you do. So I don't want to belabor the point, but you had to get a retraction from the woman that accused you of the rape. Can you just in under 60 seconds let us know how that happened? When she contacted me on Facebook trying to hang out, I agreed that we could meet at my job. That job was actually a private investigation firm. I had reached out to a PI who helped me um, set up this meeting between the two of us. She showed up two days in a row. Um, we were able to have this, these uh, interactions recorded. In those recordings, which are on YouTube, she admitted that this never happened. She actually laughed it off and explained her reasoning and why she made up some of the things that she made up. The long story. I took that over to the California Innocence Project, that video which then springboarded them into working on exonerating me. She recanted in that video, basically, and that's what woke my face back up. Did she get charged for falsely accusing you? No. In the state of California, there's a statute of limitations of eight years for perjury. After eight years, you cannot go after someone for it. I was exonerated in 10 years. Furthermore, how was I, as a person that has been convicted of a crime, supposed to sue someone for perjury. Wow, that just added salt to the wound, didn't it? Uh, not only that, she sued the, uni- the Long Beach Unified School District for lack of security on campus, and they settled for $1.5 million, which she received. And she wasn't asked to repay the money when you were exonerated? Once I was exonerated, she was countersued by the school district and court system, uh, which she now owes $2.5 million but she doesn't have a dollar to her name. They won't ever get a dollar of it. Um, So I would say the only thing that's happened to her is being guilty by Google. So you move on, you get exonerated, your record is expunged. I presume you are no longer listed as a sex offender in California? Correct. And what does Brian Banks do next after that happens? Chase dreams. Go after the things that were taken away from me. Um, I was, football was my life, and there was a, a path that was cut short, and I wanted to see it through. Um, so when the California Innocence Project took on my case, I got back into the gym and started training. I was very confident at that point with the evidence that I had and the folks that were fighting for me that I was going to get my life back. And if I got that small window of opportunity, I wanted to be ready for it. So I trained like there was no tomorrow to play football. And when I was exonerated, I stepped onto that. Uh, once we were, once that court date was over, I walked out to a sea of cameras and reporters, and I said that I'm I'm ready to try out for the NFL. And 
if there's a team out there willing to give me a shot, I will outwork anybody on your team. And the next day my phone rang, and it was uh, Coach Pete Carroll, the Seattle Seahawks, who was, at, uh, when I was in high school, he was the head coach of USC and was recruiting me at the time. And I actually had an opportunity to, you know, meet with him on a number of occasions. They would come to our high school campuses, and so we, we knew each other. Um, and he gave me a call, gave me an opportunity to try out with the Seahawks. I was there for a camp, and they ultimately let me go. Tried out for a few other teams. Played in the UFL, which is the, uh, the United Football League. And eventually signed on to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, where I played four games there and was later released. And then after that, I decided what I wanted to do with my life. I still wanted to continue football as a 28-year-old rookie, which absolutely was almost never heard of, um, or move on. I, I was blessed enough to be hired by the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, to work for the NFL League's office in New York. I did that for two years. I moved on to hosting a television show called Final Appeal, where I investigated other potential and case, other cases of wrongful conviction and trying to help those people expose um, their case and, be, and get freed, which we were successful in a few of those cases. I'm a nationally recognized motivational speaker, public speaker. I'm an author, a father, and I'm now the CEO of a, a public relations firm called BKBPR. Well, congratulations. It makes me very happy to hear that you've taken your dreams and moved them ahead. And even though this story will always resonate within you and and you'll share it so that others can learn from it. You're just such an inspiration. Thank you. And I want to tell you, we appreciate you, um, our community, the wrongful conviction community, those who are fighting for justice. We appreciate you, platforms like yours, and your hearts for um, finding interest in these stories, uh, bringing light to these stories, and explode, exposing the many flaws that our system and our prison system have and how we can better them. So we appreciate you and we value you just as much. Thank you. So, Brian, I don't give you forewarning, but I want you to know I'm, I do this with all my guests. I have one last question for you. And okay. I know where I got the question years ago, but um, I everyone's usually kind of caught off guard and they're like, oh, I never thought about that. And you probably have thought about this, but I believe we all have life assignments and they change. They change with our journey. They change with the people we come across. They change with our dreams as our dreams may change. But at this point in your life, what do you think your life assignment is? To be a good dad, to be a leader for him, um, to help create another good man in this world. My life is down for him. So that's, you know, I, I want to continue being a voice for the voiceless. I want to continue shedding light on a flawed and broken system. Um, and I just want to be a loving person for people. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in what you put out is what you get back. Um, so I try to live with that mindset every single day of my life. I try to live in a way and be what I want to see in this world. Well said. Thank you. And lastly, before we take a break, 
how can people reach out to you if they wanted you to attend an event or a conference as one of their keynote speakers? Yes, um, it would be awesome. I would love to attend an event to continue shedding and sharing um, the the message. Uh, so you can reach me at brianbanksfree.com there, which is my official website. Hit the link for sending a message, and our folks will get to you right away. Brianbanksfree, F-R-E-E dot com. Okay, we will pass that along. So listeners, I know this has been a very impactful, emotionally triggered, but very important and responsible conversation that we've just had with Brian. And so we're going to take a break and don't go anywhere because we still have to come back and wrap up this week with The Hustler Files. So stay tuned. Hello, this is Patrick Kaling, Sheriff of Hampshire County. This year, my office received the prestigious Fatherhood Award from the Children's Trust a state child abuse prevention agency for our work with the Nurturing Fathers program. Because of our work, Hampshire County has many more fathers with a deeper understanding of the important role they play in the lives of their children and their families. We are proud of our partnership with the Children's Trust and firmly believe that strong, safe families help build strong, safe communities. If you're interested in joining our award-winning team, Visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com, or submit an application online, or call 413-584-5911 and ask for our HR department. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning into this week's The Hustler Files. Today's thoughts come from Alexandra L., How We Heal. Please write your story and protect your vision. It's necessary. Now more than ever, I hope you lean into your truth, your storytelling, and your craft. Sharing your story can heal a life, a heart, and a soul that feels lost. It can build community connections and cultivate deep joy. Sometimes we are each other's permission to live freely and fully. Leading and living by example is a blessing in more ways than one. Don't shy away from your gifts, even if people don't understand. They don't have to. Not being for everybody is a blessing. And that's a wrap for this week on The Hustler Files. A huge thank you once again to our guest, Brian Banks, and to all of our other guests and advertisers as we traverse the roads of criminal justice and prison reform. If you missed this episode or any of our other episodes, you can find us on the whmp.com podcast page or on any of your favorite podcast sites. Enjoy the week ahead and remember... Don't be ashamed of your story, like Brian. It may inspire someone. See you next week, right here on The Hustler Files. The Hamden County Sheriff's Office provides Christmas toys for over 500 kids annually focusing on children with incarcerated parents and families in economically challenged neighborhoods. But we need your help. Donate new, unwrapped toys for children of all ages at any Hampton County Sheriff's Office in Springfield, Chicopee, or Ludlow. Support the cause 
and bring joy this holiday season. Visit hcsoma.org for more information. Happy Holidays from the Hamden County Sheriff's Office.